Thessalonians. Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ our King. We are so excited for this opportunity to share the Word of God with you through your favorite program, The Moment of Truth. We are at a critical moment in God's plan for humanity, and God is said to do awesome things in and through individuals, families, communities, organizations, nations, continents, and across generations. As we proclaim the Word of God in the following series, you are going to receive illumination and direction, especially those in the Valley of Decision, and hopefully you'll be accurately positioned for the current move of God. So, sit back and relax. Go ahead, call your family and friends, and get ready for a life-changing encounter with the Word of God. As you do, your life will never be the same again. Well, I have a question for us this morning. And I asked the same question during the first service. From December the 31st, 2018 till date, so much profound word has come from this podium. I actually asked for a list of all the messages and all together, pastor has ministered 36 different messages. Some having part one and part two, we have them all together. And so my question is, what are we doing with those messages? When we hear the word of God, what next? I want you to know that the changes that you are looking for in your life, the changes that you are praying about in your life, they are contained in those messages. And therefore you have a responsibility. When the word of God is declared to you, there is a responsibility on your own part. Pastor gave me an interesting definition of responsibility. He says it is your response to God's ability. Each time the word of God is declared, you have a responsibility towards that word. And so when the word is not working for you, or you are seeing that word manifested in the life of others, and you are not seeing it in your own life, then it's time to look within. I want you to know that there are several reasons why the word of God may not be working in your life. Why the word of God is not manifesting in your life. There are several reasons. But then you are probably asking me, is it possible for you to be a believer and be unfruitful in the knowledge of God? I want you to know that yes, it is possible. The first scripture we're going to look at to confront that is in the book of John chapter 15. In the book of John chapter 15 verse 1, the scripture says, the Lord himself speaking. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So the Lord himself is confirming that there will be some branches that are attached to him and they're not going to bear fruit. And the Lord is saying every of such branch, I'm going to take them away. Peter confirms it in the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 5 to 8. There Peter reaffirming. He says, for if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what Peter is saying is that it is possible for you to be barren with the knowledge of God. It is possible for you to be unfruitful if you do not accept responsibility for the word of God that you are hearing. So we're going to look at a few reasons. Reasons on how we can be unfruitful. 
We can be barren. What is the problem? What is causing it? We're going to look at three, as, as many as time will permit us to look at. The first reason why the word of God may not be working in your life is unbelief. Unbelief. When we don't believe the word. There are those of us who are here and outrightly we don't believe God's word. You can come here near Sunday in, Sunday out, Wednesday, Friday. It doesn't matter how many times we come to the service. They simply don't believe the word. Now you're wondering how is it possible not to believe the word? I'm going to create a, a scenario for you. I want you to imagine that you're a young man and you're staying with your uncle or your brother. Your brother is married with two children and they're living in a one-room apartment. Actually, one room and a parlor. Let me give them a parlor as well. So they're in one room and a parlor. So the man, his wife, his two children, and then because you are his brother, he decided to accommodate you. So you know that very soon they're going to ask you to leave. <laughs> Why? Because you are a what? You are a stumbling block. <laughs> so they will soon ask you to leave. Now imagine that every day you are praying to God. And your prayer to God is just give me 72,000 naira. What will I use that for? I will go and get a one room. So that I would, I will stop being an inconvenience to them. Then that same man comes to the house of God. Then he hears the man of God shouting. You are going to dedicate your house. You are going to dedicate your house. We are going to open a house dedication unit. You are going to dedicate inside of it. The man is saying, please, God, don't worry about uh, house dedication. House dedication. We have not even left the room we are in. You are talking about house dedication. No, 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 God. All I need is what? 72,000 naira. And what will happen? I will have a nice room. So the man of God is saying you are going to dedicate your house. He said we are going to set up a dedication unit. The man is saying please, just give me 72,000 naira. Now why is there unbelief in the man? Because where he is presently. And where the word is telling him he's going. He cannot relate with the two of them. He cannot relate with the fact that he's squatting right now. He's just managing. You know when you have one room and parlor. You know how everybody distributes sleep. Eh? He knows he's just managing there. And he's hearing the word. He cannot reconcile the two. And because he cannot reconcile the two. He does not believe that word. So you are wondering how can there be unbelief in my heart. Every time you look at your present circumstances. Every time you look at your present situation and you compare it to the word of God and you cannot see the bridge. You cannot see how you are going to move from here to where the word says you are going to move to. He said, no, don't worry. Just the one I want is just 72,000. That's all I want. We're going to look at a very interesting story in the book of 2 Kings chapter 6 very quickly. The book of 2 Kings chapter 6 verse 24 to 31. In that scripture, the Bible says that Samaria has been besieged by the king of Syria. When a siege takes place, a city is surrounded. So Samaria is surrounded. There's no going out. There's no coming in. So whatever food you have inside the city, that is what you are going to eat. When the food is finished, then you start looking for alternative. So inside the city, the situation got so bad. 
That when the king was walking along, he saw two women. And when he said, what is the problem? They started telling him their story. One of them now said, well, the two of us agreed to eat our son. Day one. Day two, we will eat her own son. Of course, the wise one, when he came to day two, she went to go and hide her son. Why? Because the first is foolish, the other is wise. But I asked a question when I got here. How can you eat your son? There's no rat inside that uh, city. There's no lizard. Eh? What is the strangest thing you have eaten before? Have you eaten snake? The way I'm seeing you. You are not eating. Who has eaten snake in this place? Put your hand up. Hey, Jesus. Hey. See the children of God. Deliverance. We are going to do deliverance. Eh? Hey. Okay, uh, the Calabar clan is saying, people who have eaten, you have eaten dog. Please don't be ashamed. Put your hand up. It's only I did as eating dog. <laughs> One man also lifted his hand. He says he has eaten dog. Please, if you have dogs, beware of some people. Don't let them come and visit your house. So. <laughs> you know, I'm amazed at this story that two women would decide to eat their children. I'm amazed. Are there no other insects, animals, creatures? Wasn't there something else you could have eaten? Oh, you have eaten cockroach before? <laughs> when I was talking, he said cockroach. I said, eh? Ah. <laughs> if that man has eaten cockroach, I will not talk to you again. <laughs> but what would make people to the point of eating their own children... It's showing you how terrible the situation was. That means they've eaten everything possible. There's nothing left else. There's nothing else that is left for them to eat. To show you how bad it is. When the king heard that, he tore his robe. Because it doesn't sound normal. It's not normal. It's even okay if you eat somebody. Sorry, it's not okay. But just in case you eat somebody else's own. But you're eating your own. You're eating your own. That's to show you how bad the situation is. And in the midst of that situation, the prophet said, we're going to, the the king said, we're going to go and see the prophet. So they went to see Elisha. When they got there, thank God for men who are connected to God. And that's what we prayed about in missionary force today. That you need to be connected to God. So that any situation that you are going through, God can say, this is the word. This is the one that will keep you. A lady came to visit me yesterday and when she was talking, you know, she was just gisting, she was talking. Then she was now talking about her sister that passed on with cancer. And I was just saying, as I just left up the place, say, ah, cancer. The next thing that rose up, it says a thousand will fall by my left, ten thousand by, it will not come near me. You know, because if you're not, you just realize that you enter into it. Therefore, whatever situation you're in, you must always find what is God's word. What is God's word concerning that situation? So by the time they got to the prophet, the prophet gave a word. He said, by this time tomorrow, a seer of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seers for a barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. And I asked myself a question. When the prophet was speaking, elders were there. The king was there. The young man was there. 
Why didn't the king respond to the word? Elisha was speaking the word to the king. What was the response of the king? Why did he keep quiet? Then I found out that this king has experienced Elisha three times. I realized that the first time was in 2 Kings chapter 3. When 2 Kings 3, 4 to 27, where you find the king of Moab came against them. They got to a situation for seven days, no water, no nothing. They cried out to God. It was Elisha that bought the word. He says, you will not see wind, you will not see rain, but you see water. First time. The second time, again, when the king of Syria was coming against them, it was Elisha that would tell the king, don't go to that place, so the king of Syria is coming there. Don't go to this place, so the king of Syria is coming there. So by the time Elisha is speaking to him the third time, what is he telling himself? Look, you better believe this man. First time, he's right. Second time, he's right. Whatever he has said to you, he's right. Now, how does that relate to us? How many years have we been here? The pastor will bring forth a word. You have seen the fulfillment of that word. You have been here for years and for months. Unique, I mean, the one I shared this morning was uh, during the third term. When he says the third time, it will rain on that day when they cancel. Did it not rain? Once it rains, it fails. I remember so well. If you have been here and that same man is telling you, you are going to dedicate your house. He is telling you that same person that has stood here. Spoken over nations. Spoken over lands. And when he stands here to give you that word, you should tell yourself, please, first time, the man was right. Second time, he was right. Please, this time, the man is right. But there was a man that was there uh, that spoke. The Bible says that he is the one upon whom the king leans. And I'm asking, why should he speak? We have to understand the man. You cannot accuse him and say, ah, no, he's a foolish man. Why was he speaking? The Bible says he's the one that leans on the king. That means he's used to Elisha. He's not seeing Elisha for the first time. Do you understand me? He's not seeing that man for the first time. Then number two, he has also been to the city. He has seen the terrible situation. When the two women were describing their story to the king, he was right there. So why did the man speak? He spoke for this. He looked at the two women. Who have just finished eating their son. There's nothing else to eat. They're eating human flesh. Then you now come to a prophet. And he now says, ah, flour will be in abundance. It will be so cheap. It will be everywhere. He says, eh. Okay. It's like you don't know what is on ground. You see, unbelief starts when he begins to tell you, you don't know what is on ground. Anytime you use that phrase, what you are saying is that is what is more important than God's word. I want you to also note something. When the prophet gave the word, God did not know they were eating their children. God did not know. So why are you telling God, God, you don't know what is on ground? You think God does not know what you are going through? You think he doesn't know your present circumstances? And yet he's saying that you are going to do what? You are going to dedicate your house. You don't need to tell God, but God, I'm squatting. But God, there is even one bed. I even rolled the bed. You know when you are sharing, you are squatting. You are serious squatters. Don't have bed. Oh. The bed, they will just roll it. One, and then they will just put it in one corner. And yet, the word of God 
is coming forth. When that man spoke, he spoke because he couldn't reconcile. He couldn't reconcile what he has just heard. Women eating children. And now hearing that God is saying that, look, this is what's going to happen. He said, no, I, I, what's, how, how is it going to happen? I want you to know that unbelief is a hindrance to what God has planned and purposed for you. Over and over you will see in the scriptures where unbelief hindered people from receiving all that God had for them. The book of Matthew chapter 13 verse 53. Matthew 13, 53 to 58. The Bible says that Jesus could not do many mighty works because of their unbelief. I want you to imagine the many mighty things that God wants to do in your life. But because you don't believe, he says, what? I can't have them done. Second example, Hebrews chapter 3. Hindrances. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12 to 19. He says what there? That as many as God desired to take them into the promised land, but he says some of them could not enter. Why? They didn't believe. They didn't believe. But is there a solution to unbelief? Of course there is a solution. There has to be a solution. So we're going to see that in the book of Mark chapter 4, verse, Mark chapter 9, verse 14. In Mark chapter 9, verse 14, there you see a man that had a son who was ill. He was mute. His disciples tried to cast out the demon, but they couldn't. Eventually, when the Lord showed up, the Lord showed him, they told the man that, look, it is possible, all things are possible. Then the man said to the Lord, please, I believe, but do what? Help my unbelief. The first solution to unbelief is admitting that you don't believe. Are you hearing me? The first solution eh, to helping yourself in unbelief is to first of all say, God, I don't believe. Help me. Help me because I can't see it. I can't see how God is going to move me from where I am to where he said, where that man is talking about. I cannot even see that place. So the first solution, what is the first is the place of prayer. That Lord, where my heart is full of unbelief, where I cannot see where you are taking me to. I ask almighty God, first help me deal with my heart. So I want you to lift up your hands where you are seated. And you are going to ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Every place, in every place that your heart is full of unbelief. That the Lord himself in the name of Jesus by his spirit will do a walk on the inside of you in the mighty name of Jesus. He will deal with that word in the inside of you. That unbelief, Lord help my unbelief. Lord help my unbelief. Help my unbelief in the mighty name of Jesus. The second solution to unbelief. You starve your fear and you feed your faith. When you feed your faith, I'm telling you, there's faith that will rise up from within your heart. I want you to know that you can have two children. One is called faith. The other one is called fear. Just like children, when they are hungry, they won't let you rest. In the same way, faith and fear also, they are hungry. And how you feed them and what you feed them will determine what we see in the end. Have you heard this saying, you are what you eat? So if somebody eats, eats. I, I actually wrote one funny story here. I said, if I wake up in the morning and I have 12 hamburgers, 12 pancakes, 12 sausage rolls. I do 12, 12. Then I wash it down with Diet Coke. <laughs> Will I be slim or I'll be like this? I'll be very slim, I'll be. The diet cook will wash away all the things. Uh -huh. 
You are what you eat. So, so your faith is what you eat, what you feed it on. What you feed it on. Feed your faith. I'm going to say this to the horror of many people. I don't watch horror movies. And I don't advise people to watch them. I'm very anti. I'm asking, okay, what is that feeding? Is it encouraging? Is it giving you a positive outlay of life? Or is it a negative outlay of life? Now, most young people, my daughter will say, but there's nothing wrong with you. I say, that's why your faith is where it is. Because it's not feeding your faith. I want you to know that faith comes by hearing. So also fear comes by hearing. When Goliath stood in front of the children of Israel, he did not even say anything. He said, come, just pick one person. Let that person come. Just looking at it. The Bible says they heard him and they feared and fled. Fear is by words. Faith is by words. And therefore, every time you are reading, you are listening, you are watching, what you are actually doing is you are feeding yourself. Most young people, they don't agree. They say, ah, no, the music, it means nothing. This video, it means nothing. Don't worry. When issues of life come, that uh, horror movie that you have watched, it will help you. What you feed yourself on is key to your spiritual state. It is important. So what you do, you feed your faith and you starve your fear. Third solution, don't entertain the enemy's package. Don't entertain the enemy's package. You want to get rid of unbelief? Don't entertain it. When the enemy comes and begins to tell you that ah, you are not worthy of it, tell him I'm worthy. God has made you worthy of his promises. Are you listening to me? And let me tell you, when the enemy comes to torment your mind, you will know when your mind is tormented. Eh? You know what you are going to do. Eh? Say, okay, Satan, eh, everything you have said, oh, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But me too, I want to remind you where you are going to. So you will now open the book of Revelations. And then when you now say, hey, there's one fire lake that is waiting for you. You remind me about my present, I'll remind you about your future. The Bible says something in the book of Corinthians. I wrote it down, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, casting down every imagination. When the enemy comes and says, you, that word is not for you. Say, minus, it is minus you, it is plus me. You see, those thoughts, they come and they grip your mind. And immediately they grip your mind. What happens? That's what you start believing. Have you heard the saying, you can't stop birds from flying. But please, oh, they cannot come and make nests on my head. So when the enemy begins to throw thoughts, hey, this is what will happen. This way, say, don't worry, be flying, you know, but please, you cannot come and land here. The Bible says you cast down every imagination. Once it is not in line with God's word, say, my, just be, people will think you are mad. You are not mad. You are talking to the person who is talking to you. Tell him, I know me. Don't engage. Don't, don't be like evil and you're having conversations with Satan. There's no need though. Don't have any conversation. The word of God says, pull down every imagination. Once the thought comes and you say, is this God's, is this God's position? Just pull it down. 
Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven, it says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but that of power of love and a sound mind. And I say to myself, what God has not given to me, I don't want. Are you hearing me? What God has not given to you, you don't, you don't want. When the enemy begins to bring fear, begins to bring reasons why you are disqualified from the promises of God. He's building it, that fear. And the more you are taking it, so you say, no, that's not what God gave me. No, I don't want. Second reason why the word of God might not be working in your life or my life is what I called here preconceived ideas. Our preconceived ideas. There's some of us, we don't have any issues with hearing the word. We don't have any issues with believing the word. But our problem is our preconceived ideas on how the word should be fulfilled. We begin to conjure images, ideas, strategies, pathways, options. You know, many of us have very fruitful imagination. And then we begin to say, okay, God, this is how it's going to be. Lord, this is how it's going to be. (laughs) But you see, there's a problem with that. If the word is yours, if the proclamation is yours, then you can decide how it will come to pass. You can pick the strategy. You can pick the path. You can pick everything. But as long as it is God's word, that means what? It is God that gets to pick it. I checked up a definition on the word preconceived. It simply means an idea or an opinion that is formed too early. Especially without thought or knowledge. An idea or an opinion that is formed too early. Especially without thought or knowledge. That means each time you are sitting down to think how God will do it. That, I, that way you are thinking of. You don't have the full picture. You don't have the full knowledge. So when you don't have the full picture. How do you come up with a strategy and a plan? Let's look at a quick example in 2 Kings chapter 5. In 2 Kings chapter 5 verse 1 to 19. Some of us know the story very well. There you find the story of a man called Naaman. He's the commander of the army of Israel, of Syria. And the man is a leper. But he's still a commander. Man, if I see that guy, I'll give him a high five. How can a man that is still a leper, the Bible calls him a commander. A commander. That means the things that we call weaknesses is because you don't want to do anything. I saw a beautiful video, I think on YouTube, a gentleman who has, he has no, no, I've seen like two or three. The one I saw is a lady. She doesn't have any legs, but she has arms. She has children. She has no legs, but she has children. How many people know the famous guy, Chris? Genevieve or Senef, one Russian, is it Russian or something? No arms, no legs. Have you ever seen the video? 5% of what that guy does, most of us will not do it. With your two legs, your two heads, sorry. Your two heads, your two hands, your two, you will not do it. He has no arms, no legs. But you should see him. He has, I think, two children now. Yes, two children now. The Bible says he's the commander of the what? The army of Syria. Even in spite of the leprosy, it doesn't matter. In spite of the weaknesses. 
And yet that same man, the Bible says that his maid spoke to the wife that they should do what? That he should go to Samaria. That when he gets there, he's going to meet a prophet. And that prophet will do what? Heal his leprosy. By the time the man got there, eventually they saw Elijah. When they saw Elijah, Elijah did not come out. Elijah simply sent a word and said what? Go and wash in the Jordan. How many times? Seven times. Your problem is over. The Bible says that the man went away angry. The Bible used the word furious, that he was angry, was furious. Why was he furious? Do you know what he said? He said, because I said to myself, you see, half of the time is what you have been saying to yourself. You see, that your imagination is one of your problems. The things that you have conjured, the things that you have thought of. He said, I said to myself, that what? That the man will surely come out. And then when he comes back, he will stand. He shouldn't sit though. The man will come out and stand. Then when he has finished standing, he will now call on the name of his God. After he has finished calling, he will now do like this. <laughs> and then after he has finished waving, what will happen? The leprosy will disappear. Please, I just have a question. Naaman, if you have such a good strategy, you should just do it yourself. Do you understand? You should just do it yourself. So that when you do it, you will even heal yourself of the leprosy. He said to himself, this is the way it's going to happen. I even know how God is going to do it. The Bible says he went away, he went away furious. I want you to write this down. When the package, when the package does not come the way we expect it, we reject it. When the package does not come the way we expect it, we reject it. Because what we have already preconceived, we believe this is the way it's supposed to be. And so when it comes in another form or in another way, then what are we doing? Hmm. We're not interested. I gave this funny analogy during the first service. So, how many people are seeking God for that, your better half, your, your spouse, your husband, any lady here, you're looking for your spouse. You better put your hand up so we pray as prophets now. <laughs> Wave your hand. Okay, so I have a word for you. The man that is coming, Hmm? is six foot four in height. The man that is coming, his skin is cafe latte color. <laughs> Do you know when your skin is cafe latte color? You don't know what's cafe latte? Go and look for it. Go and look for the color. <laughs> then where he lives, you know, he lives in lucky first, second, not after second, though, although people after second. Mm. He doesn't live in that area. First and second. Then his minimum wage, ah, when he's poor, is like 501 million. <laughs> when he's poor. So that is the man God is bringing to you. But when he physically appears, he's five foot one. And his color is black. Black like this, like black color. <laughs> so this black man stands in front of you. I say, I am the Lord's will for you. Ah! <laughs> I reject it in Jesus' name. 
You are still saying amen. You can, you can. <laughs> Why are you rejecting it? Because your preconceived idea is this is who the man should be. And so when anything less than that, ha, cafe latte versus black. The difference is clear. But I want to ask a question here. Any wife that will be proud enough to say it. Is there any wife in this place, the man that you married, that was really not the person. But now, having been married, you are saying, Lord, I thank you for giving me this man. Is there anybody that's willing to stand up? If you are willing to testify, I need women to testify. That you are saying you are thanking God for the man. Is the man next to you? Hey, let's do some romance. Hey, if the man is next to you, say, honey, thank you. Hey, say, thank you. Uh-huh. You can imagine if you said no, my sister, you'll be waiting for a cafe latte for a long time. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you people, if you say no, you'll be waiting long, long, long time. But you know what? Because we're so fixed in our mind of what it should be like. That many times we miss what God has already packaged. We miss what God has already prepared for us. Thank God for the mercy of God. The mercy of God was upon the life of Naaman. And his servants went to meet him and said, Oh God, please, sorry. Don't be angry. Don't vex. But it seems you are priding. Eh? Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Go and wash in that river, Jordan. Eh? You are priding. Your pride is too much. Eh? Go and wash yourself in the river. If not for the mercy of God. That man would have gone back with his leprosy. I want you to know that your perception and your conceived ideas, they can't solve the problem. It's only God that can. So you're going to lift up your hands and pray. Lord, forgive me for every time that I've missed what you have brought my way. Lord, forgive me for every preconceived ideas that I've had that are blocked. Even that which you have prepared, that which you have planned for me. In every way, in every form, there's so many things that God has bought your way. And you missed it because you're like, God, it doesn't look like the way I figured it to be. Lord, it doesn't look like the package that I thought it would come in. Lord, forgive me and have mercy. I want you to pray that God will give you another opportunity. I want you to ask that God will give you another opportunity. Everything that has missed, that has gone away because you pushed it away, you rejected it. That God will give you another opportunity in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank God for the mercy of God. Thank God for God giving him one more chance. One more chance. God gave him that chance again. So what is the solution to our preconceived ideas? Number one, we must accept that the word is not ours. Therefore, we cannot decide how it will be fulfilled. We must accept that truth. That the word is not yours. Therefore, you cannot decide how it will be fulfilled. Number two, we must accept that our mind, our intellect, our wisdom can never, is not, and can never be greater than God's wisdom. No matter how great your mind is, you can be Einstein, Plato, you can even name the whoever you want to even name. Your mind, your idea, your intellect can never be greater than God's. Isaiah chapter 55 confirms that. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
nor my ways your ways. He says, as far as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than my, your thoughts. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 25. It says, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So even when God wants to say, I want to be foolish, his foolishness joined together is even wiser than your own wisdom. When God chooses, even say he want, even when he says he wants to be foolish, he cannot be foolish. Solution three. You must accept the diversity of God. You must accept the diversity of God. When it comes to strategies, God can do it in whichever way. Look at the Lord when he was healing the blind. Go and read it. The first one, he would spit on the person's eyes. If it was me, I don't even know what I would do, but you know. He would spit on someone's eyes. And then he will meet another person. He says, I, you are blind. Okay, go your way. Go your way. Go your way. Then another person, he will mix spit and mud and put mud on the person's eyes. He says, oh yeah, go and wash in the pool Ceylon. What if you saw him spitting on your neighbor's eyes? Okay, you can't even see because you are blind. Sorry, I take that back. But just in case you heard that he spat in your neighbor's eyes and you too is your neighbor because you have a fellowship, blind fellowship. So you now go to Jesus and say, hey, uh, Stephen said when he came to meet you, you even spat. Please, can you spit? But you know that's what we do often. Because we're like, okay, well, God, hey, Stephen said uh, when you did it, this is even how you did it. So do the same. Or what if he says to you, just go, and it is well. What if he says to you, no, there's a pool in Siloam. I want you to go to that pool. Why didn't he send everybody to that pool? That means for you to overcome your preconceived ideas, you must accept the diversity of God when it comes to strategies. You can't say, okay, God, it's only this way. You see all those different stories, Mark chapter 8 verse 22, Mark chapter 10 verse 46, and John chapter 9 verse 1 to 7. You will see it there. Then of course, you know David, 2 Samuel chapter 5 verse 17. When David was about to fight a war with the Philistines, God said, look, the first strategy, this is where you go to. David, when they came the second time, he didn't say go the same way. He said, no, go another way. I want you to know that the God you serve is diverse. He's diverse. You can't keep him in a box. Number three. What is the third reason where the word of God or what causes, what could cause the word of God from not being fruitful in our lives when we are doers of the word and not, when we're hearers of the word and not doers of the work. I'll repeat it. When we are hearers of the word and not doers of the work. W-O-R-K. The work. Let's open to the book of James chapter 1 verse 21. Very quickly I'll read James chapter 1 verse 21. It says, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word. If you have your Bible, I want you to underline that word. Be doers of the word and not hearers alone deceiving yourselves. Next one. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, I want you to underline that as well. And not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. 
For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. I want you to underline that as well. This one will be blessed in what he does. Then the scriptures gives you three categories. Number one, there are those who hear the word and hear the word alone. The Bible says they deceive themselves. Even Plato said the greatest deception is what? Self-deception. When you are actually just hearing the word and hearing and hearing, the Bible says you are just deceiving yourself. You are deceiving yourself. Then he now talks about another group. Who are those who do the word? They say those who do the word are those who continue in it and they do not forget. They do not forget. They do not forget. Are you hearing me? Were you here last Sunday? Give me one of the hindrances to the presence of God. Be thinking. Were you here last Sunday? You were here. Give me one of the hindrances to the presence of God. Disobedience. Disobedience. Elder Wale, did you say disobedience? Because I did not hear that part. Okay. <laughs> were you here last Sunday? What did it, one hindrance, just one. Not believing the word of God. Not believing the word of God. Elder Wale, did you say that? I did not hear that part. Yes, sir. Not be thankful. Beautiful. Please, I have a present for you. See me after. Uh-huh. Not being thankful. Now, why don't you remember the word? Any word that you do not do, you will not remember it. That is why the book of James says, when you hear and deceive, one of the mark of it is forgetfulness. You have forgotten it. The reason why you have forgotten is because you have not done anything about that word. But there's a secret not to forget. The book of James tells you, when you do the work, that means each time you hear a word, what that word will do is that you will hear it, you receive it, then that word in itself will begin to reveal the work in it. When you now do the work, you realize that you can't, are there some messages you can never forget? Why can you not forget them? Because something happened to you. There was a decision that you made. Something that you experienced. You can't forget it. So James is saying that every time a word comes, there is a walk to that word. I want you to know that God will do his own part. He expects you what? To do your own part. I'll give you two quick examples. I may not be able to go through the, all of them. But two examples. The first one in the Old Testament. Second Kings chapter 4 verse 1 to 7. Second Kings chapter 4 verse 1 to 7. There you find the story of the prophet Elisha and the widow. And the widow said that she's in debt. Her husband is dead. They're about to take her two sons as slaves. And the prophet said, okay, how do we solve this problem? Okay, what do you have in your house? She said, I have oil. Okay. And I want you to go and collect empty vessels. And when you collect the vessels, I want you to lock the door. Then I want you to do a pour the oil. Just be pouring, just be pouring, just be pouring. That was it. Notice that story. If you read it very well, go and read it. The man gave her just one instruction. He didn't give her all the instructions at once. Go and read the story well. He gave her one instruction. He didn't give her all the instructions. I'm like, 
Why didn't you just tell the woman, hey, when you are finished, you go and sell it. Why do you have to keep that part? Why is God keeping some part from you? Because he wants to see you obey the first. If you will not obey the first, you will not get the second. Are you hearing me? If you will not obey the first instruction, you will not get the second. There's no point. Why will I waste my, my saliva? I don't know if God has saliva. God forgive me. Huh? Why will he do that? So the woman went away and she filled it. When she finished, she went back to the man. Go and read the story. She went back to him. We are finished. The man said, okay, now go and sell. Go and sell and what? And she cleared all her debt. If that woman did not go into that house, if she did not collect vessels, if she did not fill them up, forget it. Her sons will be slaves. She herself, she'll be a slave. They will sell her too. And her two sons sell everything that she has to collect the money back. That means each time the word of God comes to you, there's a responsibility. There's a response that is expected from you. There's a doing of the work of the word. That word has work. John chapter 2 is a New Testament example. John chapter 2, the wedding at Cana of Galilee. When Jesus was invited and Mary was also there. What happened? Said they've run out of wine. And what did she say? She said, whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. I want you to accept the fact to every word, there's work. The work is the instructions that God will give to you. It's for you, you, you. And until you do that, it is the one that does the work that James says, that is the person that will be blessed. The person that does the work is the one that will be blessed. So if you are not seeing that blessing, then you go back and say, okay, God, this word that you spoke, hey, which part, what exactly do you want me to do with it? The word of God is true. The word of God is living. The word of God is powerful. There's nothing wrong with God's word. Every time there is a proclamation, every time there is a declaration, there is nothing wrong with God's word. So when you are not seeing the fruit of that word in your life, you have to do what? You have to take a mirror. Look at yourself. You have to look at yourself and say, what is the problem? You have to look inward and locate it. If it's unbelief, then you begin to know what to do. If it's your ideas, your strategies, that's not working. It's not working. Why don't you ask God, God, my own is not working. Okay, give me your own. And then if you are not doing the work, if God has given instructions, if you have not obeyed those simple instructions, how would you be blessed? How would you see the fruit of the word? And that's why the book of Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19, it says, if you are willing and obedient, you will do what? You will eat the good of the land. Deuteronomy 28 verse 1 to 14, it talks about the blessing of obedience. How do you obey? When an instruction has come. When an instruction has come. I believe that this year is still the year of God's bountiful blessings. Eh? You are going to do one assignment. I gave it to them in the first service. You are going to go and take one. You say, pastor has preached 36. Eh? Three and six. Between now and March. Don't take all the 36. The thing will be too much for you. <laughs> just take one. Just take one message. Go back to just one message. 
And that one message and say, Father, this word, this, this message, eh? I, I want to even, me myself, I want to experience it. Take it, listen to it. Pray about it. Ask God for your own part of that word. What you need to do. See the fruition of that word. See the fulfillment of that word in your life. Then you say, hey, now it's working. Take one, just one. Don't take all the 36, so just one. One, just one. He has already said that this is our year of God's bountiful blessing. Are you even seeing the blessing? Why are you not seeing the blessing? It's because in Latter-day, we don't do testimony time more. If we do, some people will be provoked. Why? Because some people will stand and say, yes, it's working. Some people will stand and they will say, yes, it is working. And you will be there. Why? Why is it not working for me? Why now? And you have to look at yourself in the mirror. The mirror of God's word. Don't look at mirror, mirror like... uh, There's one mirror that's not good though. You know the mirror. The one that says mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the finest of them all? And the woman is ugly. He said you are the finest. No, 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 no. Not, Not that kind of fake mirror, no. The mirror of God's word will show you what is the issue on the inside of you. And the minute you begin to make those adjustments, you begin to see the fulfillment of God's word. I like it when the apostles, I don't know where it's there in the scripture, says that which our ears have heard, our eyes have seen. Now our hands, you must handle it so that you too can stand and say, this word is working. It's working. I want you to know that the word of God, it works. The word of God works. It works. It is working. Do you understand that? And so you are going to go home and say, Lord, that word, there's one that's God, I want to see the fulfillment of this word. Whatever I need to do on my own part, what must I do? Lord, show it to me and the grace to do it. The Lord will grant unto you in Jesus' name. so much for listening. We have to end it here today, but it's been a real joy to come into your homes to unveil the truth of God's word. I pray that the word of God you have received will sink deeply into your hearts and bring forth tangible fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. In addition, I pray that the truth you've embraced will not only set you free, but it will empower you to impact your environment positively as God's representative in your sphere of influence. Till we meet again on this platform, remain sandwiched between the peace of God and the God of peace. God bless you richly. Bye Bye for for now. now.